The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at gopowercat.com. And I'm Scott Jason with fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW's TV show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com, and the man, hold on, where's Scott Chasen? Okay, so this is what, what happened. Scott is on the phone tonight because he's abundance of caution, because apparently he was exposed to really good football in Manhattan, and he can't be seen in public. So I'm letting Scott do this remotely. But you can interact with us on social media at facebook.com slash the drive show on Twitter at the drive 13. And of course, answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of the drive, you can listen to an audio only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at both gopowercat.com and scottsfog.net. And we start things off with our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt, your work boot center. Scott, get us started. Well, Fitz, Kansas State cruised to a 55-14 victory over Kansas. We're going to talk a lot about this game today, but, but how did the Wildcats make this look so easy? Uh, it, it's really impressive because K-State is trying to put emphasis on all three aspects of the game. And that includes special teams. And Scott, I got to tell you, it just amazes me as I look around college football and I see some of the poor play in special teams because coaches are so focused on their offense or their defense and they kind of don't put enough time into special teams. That's not the way it's been at Kansas State. Previously under Bill Snyder and Chris Kleiman and his coaching staff have kept it up. Hats off to Phillip Brooks, who was absolutely incredible in the return game for Kansas State. What he did basically is unheard of. He had two punt returns for touchdowns in the game. He had two other long returns. He averaged almost 50 yards of return in this contest. Changed the game not only with points, but with field position, and that wasn't all that K-State did well in special teams. They were able to build a big lead at halftime by only playing two phases really well. They were pretty good on defense. They were incredible on special teams. And the offense struggled throughout that first half. And in the second half, they came out with a little uh, ignition and they got started. And I tell you what, three quick touchdowns by the Wildcats really blew this thing open. But Scott, you asked me how they did it. They did it the old K-State way. 
They play on every play, whether that is offense, defense, or special teams. And it just amazed me how much better K-State was than KU in special teams. Because quite often, that exposes depth and quality of depth and, and how athletic you are down in the roster. K-State always takes special teams very seriously. And you could see it on Saturday. It was glaring. This program continues to amaze me how they crank out return specialists. And if you were watching the Chiefs on Sunday, you got to see Byron Pringle, former K-State receiver and kickoff returner, take one back against the Broncos. It is part of the culture at Kansas State, and it quite frankly turned this game into a blowout very quickly. Well, Scott, I think it's safe to say the KU special teams were a complete disaster against the Wildcats. Was that the area of the biggest difference in this game? You know, Fitz, it's funny. I don't want to beat a dead horse here. We've been talking about how the defense plays better than the numbers look, and no more is that indicative of the game that you trail 34-7, to 34-7 at halftime, and you've only given up one offensive touchdown. I mean, think about, think about how bad the Kansas special teams were for a second because they were absolutely where Kansas lost this game. And it's not an oversimplification to say Kansas State was just on a completely different plane, playing field, level, planet, world, universe, whatever, uh, when it came to special teams. Kansas State had four punt returns of 40 or more yards. For reference, I think Jesse Newell dropped this stat. In the Big 12 over the last decade, the team record for a season long total of 40-yard punt returns was four. Kansas State had one guy do it in one game against Kansas. Kansas allowed two punt return touchdowns, including one to end the first half. Les Miles said after the game that he had told his punter, it was the third string punter, the first one did not dress, uh, the backup punter got injured. He said he had told the punter, someone had told the third string freshman punter, to punt it out of bounds, essentially, and instead the ball gets booted right down the middle of the field. The Jayhawks give up another touchdown. But it didn't stop there. It wasn't just punt returns. Kansas had all sorts of issues there, but how about Kansas muffing a punt that led to a Kansas State touchdown? The Jayhawks had some momentum. It was 20-7. to They get a stop. They've just scored. They're getting the ball back, and then they muff the punt and give Kansas State another touchdown. Uh, the Jayhawks missed a field goal in the first half. There were so many missed opportunities. I don't think it's an exaggeration or hyperbole to say Kansas easily could have been within a score or leading in the first half, except for special teams, which is such a huge part of the game. Kansas State eventually outplayed Kansas on offense. Kansas State eventually outplayed Kansas on defense. And my goodness, Kansas State outplayed Kansas on special teams. But in no area was that d the, the difference between the two sides bigger than the glaring difference there was on special teams. Uh, you're absolutely right. It was absolutely incredible uh, what happened to KU in this game. K-State, those walk-ons that play on special teams take it so seriously at K-State, and you could see them in the highlights all lined up there, have a parade leading Phillip Burks into the end zone. Well, Oklahoma State won again this week, knocking off Iowa State by a field goal. Scott, I'll turn it over to you. Are the Cowboys the best team in the Big 12? Yeah, Fitz, I think it's time we give the Cowboys credit as probably the best team in the Big 12. Actually, I'll go out and say they are the best team in the Big 12. And what really impresses me about Oklahoma State is that they find ways to win pretty, looking pretty, while winning ugly. And what I mean by that is when you are a good team, you it can feel like you're in control of a game that you only lead by three points, by five points, by seven points. 
You know, I can think of times where the Chiefs uh, lead a game by 7 or 10 most of the game, but it really never feels like they're in danger of losing that game because you just trust them. And Oklahoma State's defense this year has been largely the reason why. They hadn't allowed 20 points in a game until this most recent contest. They allowed 21, and the last seven of that only came, you know, very late in the contest. They were up by 10 until kind of the waning moments of the game. And I just look at it, and I think the really scary thing about Oklahoma State is it's clicking defensively. It hasn't clicked offensively yet. You know they have one of the best running backs in the nation. He hasn't played up to that standard yet. You know their starting quarterback, Spencer Sanders, has been injured. He returned this last game two touchdowns, two interceptions. He can play better. You know what you have there. It hasn't performed to the level it can, and yet they're undefeated. Uh, They've looked impressive. That defense has looked solid. Fitz, this is the best team in the Big 12. I think Kansas State would have something to say for that, if not for injury, but but this Oklahoma State team is very good. Well, I agree with everything you said. I watched most of that Oklahoma State-Iowa State game. I'm really impressed with Oklahoma State because we thought this would be an offensive football team. they got a great receiver, they got a great running back, and they got a pretty darn good quarterback, and yet it's defense leading the way. Brock Purdy really squandered an opportunity for Iowa State in the first half to get them on top and kind of steal the momentum of the game. And next thing you know, Oklahoma State goes down the field and scores and kind of wrestles that game away from the Cyclones. Iowa State is a very good team, but they're not a great team. And I don't know if there's much difference between them and K-State, but I'll say this. Kansas State will catch Oklahoma State at home, and that could be a big, big game in two weeks. Now, a quick look at your poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate. Last week's question was this. Will Kansas come within 14 points of a Big 12 opponent this year? And your answers were A, yes, multiple times. 8% of you said that. Yes, once, 32%. And C, no, 60%. You were probably right. Kansas is scoring about half of its points when it's at blowout time late in the fourth quarter. Very interesting stat. This week's question is this. If Skylar Thompson were healthy, that's Kansas State's quarterback, would the Wildcats be your pick to win the Big 12? A, yes. B, no. Vote on our Twitter page at the drive 13 and that will do it for this first half of the two minute drill but we will be right back with more on KU and K-State on the drive new CBS Monday federal agents here's where we can see them NCIS Hawaii is back new criminals to catch Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violin Island, you got it. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back to The Drive as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt, your work boot center. Scott. Well, Fitz, K-State 4-0, down a quarterback. They've already played Oklahoma 4-0 in the Big 12. What do they need to do to stay atop the conference standings? Yeah, Scott, I could probably answer win the rest of their games. But uh, in all seriousness, Kansas State just needs to stay the course. I mean, Chris Kleiman's doing a great job since that just disaster to open the season with Arkansas State in which they lost, which might end up being costly down the road if they continue to win. Uh, Getting this team back on track, and what I mean by that is 
This is a unique season. There's never been a football season like this one. You have players and teammates coming and going all year long. They just disappear. Take me, for example. My teammate didn't show up for work today because he is quarantined. You got to go on. And that's what K-State's done. They've been missing guys all season. They have just continued to play. I could say next man up, the coaching cliche, but that's exactly what K-State has been doing. And what's been interesting about this for me, Scott, is, is because of so many guys disappearing with uh, mostly contact tracing quarantines, and then they come back and they're perfectly fine. What's happened from that is Kansas State has built incredible depth particularly on the defensive side of the ball. They have so many guys that can rotate in and play, and you don't really see a drop-off. For example, their cornerbacks. Neither one of them was expected to be a starter at the start of the season. In fact, one of them wasn't even on the depth chart. And here they are, frontline guys, and now that the other corners have come back, they're even better. A.J. Parker, one of those corners that got displaced and moved over to Nichols, been really good. He got hurt in the KU game. Out he goes, in comes a young guy, and the game just continues to roll on. Kansas State has figured out how to manage COVID, and there's nothing magic about it other than the fact that the players know they could be called on at any moment, and this coaching staff plays a lot of guys and gets them used to being called upon at any moment. It's really worked out well for Kansas State, and plus quarterback Will Howard filling in for Skylar Thompson's been pretty good, not great, but pretty good, and when you play defense and special teams like K-State, that's pretty much good enough. Off to West Virginia, come home for Oklahoma State. We'll see where they stand in a couple weeks. Well, Kansas turned to two freshmen, Jalen Daniels, for the start Saturday at quarterback against K-State. Scott, the young freshman was returning from an ankle injury. What did you think of his play? Yeah, Fitz, I think some good, some bad, and, and again, it's it's funny to think about. This guy is 17. I think he turns 18 this next week or two here. A 17-year-old freshman who didn't get a spring, who didn't get a summer, you know, working with an offensive coordinator who's trying to implement his system to everyone, dealing with injuries all around him, and, and he's the guy taking the reins of the position. You know, look, he, he threw one interception. Quite frankly, he was lucky not to have four. He almost threw one. I believe on his first throw, the very first drive of the game. He had two that later in the game, basically the wide receivers had to bat away. You know, Andrew Parchment got called for pass interference, breaking up an interception, which is good. That's that's what you want your wide receivers to do. And yet he still shows some flashes. You know, his pick six, according to Les Miles, and it, it looked like according to Brent Deerman too, we don't get to talk to him, but we can see him on the sideline. That looked like that was the wrong read from Jalen Daniels and not the throw he was supposed, supposed to make. And even if it was, that's a ball that has to be zipped in there, not floated in there off your back foot. So that's something he'll learn and, and he'll improve at. But, you know, he's got obvious arm talent. He's got escapability. He ran for two touchdowns in this game. And he's just a tough kid. You know, the thing I always think about with Jalen Daniels or the thing that impresses me is uh, when he gets hit, you know he's going to bounce back up. You know he's still going to put his shoulder in there, put his head in there, and, and absorb contact, take contact. He doesn't shy away from that. He's a guy who wants to play just like anyone else on the field. I think Carter Stanley last year, uh, that really galvanized his teammates. It really made them want to fight for him, that he was a guy who knew, hey, you know, everything's going poorly, but I'm still sticking my neck out for you guys. I, I think Jalen Daniels as a 17-year-old freshman is already showing that. I think Les Miles wants him to do a little bit more on top of that in the way of leadership. But I think from that perspective, he's been a 10 out of 10. Now it's just figuring out the offense. Now it's working around a bad offensive line. 
Now it's learning the plays, learning the right reads. It's all, it's all that stuff that's very important to be a quarterback, but I think the intangibles are there, and I actually think that's a fairly big deal for a Kansas football team that has needed a quarterback for a long time. I agree, Scott. I, I was impressed with him. I think he's got something really good uh, in terms of his skill set. And how about this? Both programs started true freshman quarterbacks in this game, so the future looks bright at that position for both K-State and KU. And now we step out of bounds, and Out of Bounds is brought to you by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years. Well, the Big Ten has joined the fun. Of course, the Big 12, SEC, and ACC were already playing college football. I assume the Pac-12 will eventually join us, but nobody will notice. Scott, does this season feel a little different? Are you having any trouble seeing the big picture of college football? Yeah, Fitz, I'll be honest here, and feel free to disagree with me. I... I it just feels like because every kind of conference is doing things their own way, their own schedule, starting things on their own timeline, it's so hard to know what the crossover and carryover is. You know, Alabama allows 40 points one week, and we're wondering, is the SEC suddenly bad at defense or just really good at offense? The Big 12 offenses are down, or maybe the defenses are up. Which teams, you know, the, the traditional powers, uh, maybe you wouldn't call Texas that, but Oklahoma is certainly down. We, meanwhile, Oklahoma State, a team we thought was going to be good, maybe has the potential to be great. I just think there are so many questions. I think it feels so disjointed. It feels so weird and separate. Uh, there are so many. Already you've seen teams decimated by COVID situations, having to play guys who wouldn't be in the normal situations. Maybe we'll get a normal college football playoff, and maybe it'll just be Clemson and Ohio State and Alabama and whoever. Maybe Oklahoma State sneaks in there. Maybe that that's what it ends up being. But right now for me, the season feels very weird. I don't know how I'm going to look back on it and remember it, but it really doesn't feel like whoever the national champion is, whoever the the playoff is, it really just doesn't feel like it's going to feel normal. I'm not saying it's going to feel illegitimate. I think very well it could feel legitimate at the end of the year. I think it's just going to feel really strange and and something we'll always look back on and remember. Yeah, Scott, I almost feel like we're in an extended exhibition season, you know, and some teams win and some some teams lose. But at the end of the year, we're just going to put an asterisk by it, except for the national champion. It'll count to them. What, what I'm intrigued by is I'm starting to see the better coach teams floating to the top because preparation is so different. You can't just lean on talent. The talent's coming and going because of COVID. If your players are taking care of their personal responsibility and staying out of situations in which they can get infected and the coaches are doing their job on the practice field, I think those teams are the ones floating to the top. And I think that's what's happening with Kansas State and Oklahoma State right now. But we'll see how it plays out since we're, if you're K-State, halfway into this 10-game schedule. Now let's hear from the fans. And this one is from Rachel and Lawrence. And she asks, Scott, this, do you think it would have made a difference if Kansas had Puka Williams and all of their wide receivers against K-State? Yeah, the injury bug has has definitely bit KU or the departure bug, the injury bug, you know, all these kind of things. Puka Williams left the team because of what he said was a family health situation. He's obviously been dinged up and not having the year he would like behind a rough offensive line. Uh, Stephon Robinson, we learned, just had ankle surgery. He's expected out a few weeks. The quarterback room has been a mess. Yeah, it's, it's been an absolute mess for Kansas. That's part of it. But it's also important to remember this is a very young team. Uh, the offensive line, which has largely been relatively healthy, although they have lost a couple pieces they thought they would have, uh, has been a struggle for this team. Quarterback play, no matter who it's been, has been a struggle. So part of it part of it is on the injuries, part of it not having Puka. That's tough. Uh, but a lot of this was coming anyway. I think this was always going to be a pretty rough year for Kansas. 
Yeah, I'm intrigued. Uh, I think they missed Puka Williams more on Saturday than I thought they would, uh, just simply because he's a veteran, been there, they can lean on him, and then to suddenly not have him, I, I think it really kind of hurt Kansas in the course of this game, and they'll have to adjust. And part of it might have been mental. You have a team leader that suddenly ups and departs in the middle of the season. It's got to be a shock to the system. Remember to ask your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. And we, when we return, we look at our predictions right here on The Drive. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back as we head down the home stretch of this week's show. Now it's time to look at our predictions. And remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at The Drive 13. Hop on Twitter and make your votes. Let's look at last week's results. And of course, we've got an extra game in here from the prior week. I don't want to talk about it, but I need to. Uh, three and one, two and two, three and one. One of us went two and two. And I'm not going to say who it is because he's in last and he's embarrassed by his ineptitude. That's, that's really all I have to say about it. Here's this week's uh, games, and we start off with Kansas State, which is an underdog at West Virginia, which I found intriguing in itself. K-State, a three-and-a-half-point underdog. Will West Virginia win by four or more? Both Scott and I think Kansas State's going to win this game or at least cover that total, so we'll see how that plays out. Next is Iowa State, which is a whopping 28-and-a-half-point favorite at Kansas. A 28-and-a-half-point favorite um, I think Iowa State will actually cover that. I think Kansas is in big trouble. Scott is going to go with KU on this one. He thinks they'll bounce back and certainly play better than uh, more than a four-touchdown defeat, which is a lot of points. Our last game of the week is TCU at Baylor. Great matchup. It's a pick em. Scott goes with Baylor. I'm going with TCU. To get back to my comments about the best coach teams are kind of floating to the surface, even though TCU got schooled a little bit on Saturday against Texas, I think they, or Oklahoma, excuse me, they will bounce back and have a good game. Again, make your predictions over on our Twitter page at The Drive 13. The more votes, the better it is for us, unless I miss my games again. It's just shameful. It's horrible. Now it's time for our On the Clock segment. And On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One by Local for a strong local community. And we bring back in Mr. Scott Chasen of Fog.net. Yeah, Fitz, the, the basketball season's getting closer and closer. <laughs> I know that's a maybe a popular refrain in Lawrence. We talked about that last week. But Late Night in the Fog was this last week, the Jayhawks kind of season kickoff event. It was done completely virtually without fans. I uh, did have a men's basketball scrimmage lasted about 10 minutes. Uh, it was kind of more cut together, kind of like a game with highlights and a little bit of a break in between. Not much you can learn from it, but uh, Ochai Abaji got into a little bit of a rhythm. I, I think you see that Dewan Harris off the bench is going to be a really interesting piece of point guard. And, you know, I, I just wonder how it all fits in, and comes together for a five-star freshman in Bryce Thompson. I think he's got the chance to be a really nice player, really good shooter, really mature, really good feel for the game. Uh, now it's just seeing if it clicks for him in year one. 
Well, uh, thanks, Scott. I appreciate that. I'm going to talk about football. And, you know, this Saturday's game in Manhattan kind of exposed three areas where I think K-State and KU really uh, is the difference between the programs. Les Miles is in the youth movement. He's decided to go with all freshmen down in Lawrence, as many freshmen as he can, play young, get them better, build for down the road two or three years. Well, Kansas State's doing the same thing, basically. They're playing true freshmen all over the field, or, or redshirt freshmen also. I mean, in fact, they started an offense with a true freshman quarterback and a true freshman running back, and they were really effective throughout that game. The second area is special teams. And then it wasn't just the coaching. It's the culture. If you look at those tapes of those returns by Phillip Brooks, it is the same core group of guys who take ownership of special teams and make it their own. And that's really something you build inside the locker room and pass it down from generation to generation. And it wins K-State football games. You've got to play all three aspects of the game. The other thing is something I found shocking. 33-6, to six, that was the number of Kansas kids that played on the two programs. 33 for K-State, 6 for KU. Recruiting state of Kansas is important in Manhattan. And that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you next week right here and all week on social media. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We are in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcast.